character and heart and motivation as well. No wonder there's many players with dark sunglasses on today. No wonder there's many players looking like they're very struggling today. Where else could we start the return of the day-to-day live than with the Lionesses' success at Wembley Stadium last night? Joining me is Matt Furness, also from The Analyst. We're all prepared. It's a little bit of pre-season for us here. So apologise if we're a little bit slow on things and a little bit, you know, behind the schedule. We're not quite at peak form just yet, but... The Lionesses certainly were in this tournament, weren't they, Matt? Yeah, um, a fantastic tournament. We we knew they were going to win, didn't we, Billy? We at the analysts we had them as tournament favourites uh, the day before the uh, the tournament kicked off. We had them at nineteen point three percent chance of winning, just ahead of France, Sweden, and Germany. So we got the we got the four teams that got to the semi-finals as the top four, and we got the winner in our predictor. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they probably even better than we expected. The, the record-breaking win over Norway, the, the way they beat Sweden in the semi-finals, and then the character they showed yesterday against Germany when actually when Germany scored the period after that, they looked so tired, England, and uh, you thought that maybe Germany had done the very German thing and got on top of the English team and uh, ground them down. But yeah, a brilliant tournament. First European title, men's or women's ever for England. Um, and roll on the World Cup next year, the ladies. Yeah, indeed. It was it was a it was a great game to watch. We have to be fair on that. It was nervy as you'd expect, and sort of the after half time, it really felt like the pendulum had swung in Germany's favour. As a momentum graphic really showed, and that strike from Toon really just it came against the run of play. It was an outstanding ball from Kira Walsh, we have to say. like, And she, she had a tremendous game in the middle of the park, just spraying out the opportunities. And so we talk about this a lot in football, but sometimes you just need a cool, calm head in the middle of the play. Kira Walsh was certainly that last night for England. Yeah, that was halfway through the game, that pass map, when uh, you can see the, the pass that assisted the goal. Overall, the tournament, she cleared over 300 passes with 90% accuracy. Uh, she was brilliant yesterday again. That, part, that pass and the goal, uh, Toon's goal, actually came when England were down to 10 players on the pitch. Um, not many people realise that, I don't think. But yeah, it was it was a fantastic win. That's 20 games now unbeaten for uh, Wiegmann as manager of the Lionesses. 18 wins, two draws. Um, Tournament-wise, like Wiegmann is probably the best coach in recent memory in tournaments. She's won all 12 matches she's taken charge of in the European Championships. Won six for the Netherlands on the way to winning the title in 2017. And she took the Netherlands to the World Cup final in 2019 where they lost the US. So it bodes well for England next summer when they they go to the World Cup. Um, I think what you would must say that there's the caliber of opposition in general will be higher. There's some teams like US, Canada, Japan, Australia will be tough, tough to beat. Um, but this England team... Looks like they could do it. The goal difference in those 20 games under Vigman is 106 to 5. 
Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. And I think the blessing is it's kind of it's it's been a complete culture change for the England team. Obviously, look, somewhere else, the former England coach was guiding his side to a 4-4 draw against FC Cincinnati. And here on this side, Wiegmann just seems to get this buy-in from all the players. Someone like Beth Mead left out of the Olympic squad and there she is rolling in as top goal scorer, player of the tournament. Like it just shows you put the players in the right environment. You put the players in the right culture and they're going to bring absolute results. Brilliant success with the Lionesses, has to be said. I'm sure you've got, as you say about the culture, like she's not, Vigman's not only a great coach, a great tactician, she seems great at man management as well. The players seems to get Mm. them on board. They want to play for her. And her use of substitutions during this tournament was phenomenal. Seven goals they scored from subs. Um, Chloe Kelly's one, obviously, yesterday the winner was the most important of those. That was her only goal in the tournament. But, to say she started with the same starting eleven in every match. She knew her best starting eleven. That was her best team for the maybe the first sixty minutes. But she knew those players, especially in attack, could make an impact, and they did in every game. Indeed, twenty-two goals for England in the tournament, a new record in uh, women's Euros, part overtaking Germany's previous record of twenty-one, and it is the. Topic of goal scorers that's really on our mind at the moment at the analyst because we need to. I mean, it's kind of it's nice to have this dividing, even though the new season has started obviously in the championship. I see this as the real dividing line. We last season is closed, it's time to move forward to the new season. The Premier League obviously getting underway on Friday. Uh, and last week on the analyst, Matt produced an absolutely excellent article. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet, then please do so. We'll show it in a little bit for you. But really looking at the players who are going to be in the running for the golden boot this year. It, obviously, there's some very familiar names. There's also some new faces who have come to the league as well. It's a, It could be one of the most fascinating seasons in terms of goal scorers in this division. Yeah, it feels like the biggest pool of goal scorers, like out-and-out out goal scorers that we've had in a long time, obviously with the addition of Darwin Nunez, Erling Haaland as well. And then you have like Gabriel Jesus. Gonna, he's going to get a lot more minutes at Arsenal if he stays injury-free. Than he did at Man City. Um, plus, then you've got Eric Ten Hag coming in at Man United. Could he turn Anthony Martial or Marcus Rashford into out and out goal scorers? Um, it's really exciting. I think this weekend we saw in the Community Shield match that Erling Haaland missed a few chances, but he was <laughs> able to get in those positions to, to score. The ch- and on another weekend, he could have had a hat trick. And it would have conveniently used used to have come against Watford, obviously. Man City scoring <laughs> eight or nine every game against them. But I think that Haaland, I, it's funny this season, it feels like Nunez in preseason, fans were going, ah, oh, like he's a joke signing, writing him off. Haaland's the opposite. And then after Saturday, everyone's going, no, oh, Haaland's rubbish. Nunez looks like a great buy for Liverpool. It's going to keep shifting all throughout the season. Both players, great additions to their side. Both players will get plenty of goals this season, I'm sure. My tip, though, Gabriel Jesus, I, I think he's had such a fantastic season, uh, pre-season with Arsenal, and he's been such a threat in his Premier League career without playing that many minutes, really, every season. He's the highest goal scorer in terms of um, every goal being inside the box. So 58 of his 58 Premier League goals have come inside the box. So he's the highest scorer of exclusive uh, in-box goals. Plus, yeah, as you see here, the seventh quickest uh, seventh best minutes per goal average, uh, minutes per goal involvement average in the Premier League over the time uh, over the history of the competition. So he does get involved. He's a box player. Arsenal have many creative players behind him that will c- 
create those chances. Um, and if he can stay injury free, we've seen it in the, like in the past. I'm not saying that he has is the quality of maybe a Bamiyang was three or four years ago. I personally think he is, but a lot of fans might not think that. But both Abamiam and Lacazette, when they were playing as a, a striker, were receiving those chances and scoring good goals and, and getting really high expected goals per 90 ratios as well. So he's going to get chances at Arsenal. And he's one of the outside bets. I think he's seventh or eighth favourite in most of the bookies' uh, markets. So, yeah, he's an interesting one to look at. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been very much championing uh, Gabriel Jesus all the way through. I'm actually going to go in a slightly different direction. And it, I'm going to talk about a, a new Manchester City striker, um, but not the one you're probably thinking of. I think Julian Alvarez is an outstanding pickup by Manchester City. Like, go look at his records. We, pu- we obviously published uh, the Analyst 50 earlier this week, and Julian Alvarez was mentioned as part of it. And you look at his goal involvement rate at River Plate. Now, I appreciate there is a there is a rot- there is a rolling factor in that city. That's, One of the reasons yeah. why Jesus has left is that he, he was like, no, I want to be playing more regularly. Um, I think that's the key thing, yeah. Yeah. It, it's all about who gets clicking. It really does. Like, and I think Guardiola summed it up perfectly after the match yesterday as well. Like, as you said, Haaland came in for a little bit of criticism, um, had an XG of 1.0, exactly one expected goal in the uh, Community Shield uh, on Sunday. Saturday? Can't remember which day it is now. It's all blurred into one this weekend. But obviously he had that, but a couple of big chances missed. But Guardiola's expecting, you know, Haaland to come good. He had uh, chances, yeah, he will. the two or three in the first half and one the end, always is there. When they would do it, he he fought a lot and he made the movements and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good for him to understand, you know, to see the reality, the new country, new league and will good. But I think he was, he was, uh, uh, he did, he was there. So today did not score and in other days he got to score. I think that's kind of the point, isn't it? Like, at the end of the day, he got himself in those positions to score the goals. If he keeps doing that throughout the course of the Premier League season, the strikes are going to come his way. Yeah, and that, in the article itself, it, it explained that Haaland is one of the best players at getting in those positions to score uh, from non-penalty situations. So across Europe, since 2019-20, the season he moved to uh, the Bundesliga, he's the third highest non-penalty XG for 90 uh, for non data fans that means that he's basically averaging the third best position to score from of all players i know a lot of people will will uh, state the bundesliga tax theory uh, in that it's easier to get in those positions to score in the bundesliga um we'll see if that's true or not won't we when robert lewandowski and erling Haaland play in new competitions this season it's, it's always the taxes are coming out early in this one and it's not just a conservative uh, election party anyway uh right uh just one more thing i want to talk about very quickly on the golden brute fund maybe someone we're not expecting to run away with the golden boot but another big season for harry kane and he very much closes in on alan shearer's record of the uh, premier league all-time top goal scorer and i i always love when this chart comes up because it just shows i think sometimes harry kane we sort of underestimate how dominant he has been in the premier league and this very much shows that, you remember, Shearer was the guy who knocked in 30-goal seasons for fun back in the early 90s. Did have those extra games, obviously, as well. But we will put that aside for a second. But Kane is very much on the path to overtake Shearer as the all-time Premier League leading goal scorer. Yeah, Kane's now 28. Um, so you'd think, what, three seasons of 20-ish goals? And he's pretty much there. 
Um, I don't think there's much doubt now that he'll reach Shearer's tally. I think it's only down to whether he gets a serious injury or not. Um, I doubt he'd move leagues. Um, I know Bayern were, were tipped to make a move for him this summer, but I just can't see him leaving before he breaks that record. He wants that record, doesn't he? Um, but don't forget with Shearer as well. Like He had a pretty much a season out of his Premier League career um, with a, a serious knee injury and other long spells out injured as well, plus pre-Premier League uh, career as well. Um, so had he actually started his career when the Premier League began, it would have been a lot higher, that total. Yeah. Plus, if he'd not had those injuries, like it could be looking at another, what, 50, 60, 70 goals there from Shearer. Uh-huh. So a ridiculous record from him. And the day that someone does beat that, fair play, because it is such an outstanding record from Shearer. Yeah, it is indeed. And as you say, football didn't begin in 1992. It did begin before then, as we always have to make clear to people. Anyway, right. Uh, if you want to read the rest of Matt's brilliant article all about the Premier League top goal scorers, the contenders, it's available for right you, for you right now on theanalyst.com. And don't forget, once you get down to the bottom of the article as well, you can take part in our quiz. There is a fantastic golden boot quiz that you can take part in. A little bit of fun at the bottom. You can test your knowledge. Not many people getting all the answers correct so far, Matt. Only about or less than 2% you know, getting every answer correct. There are no prizes apart from our respect. So, Our respect and your pride is still intact. Yeah. That's what really matters there. Uh, right then. Well, football, as I said, football didn't begin in 1992. And the season doesn't begin this Friday because for many fans across the UK, football actually began on Friday night when the championship and the rest of the EFL got underway. It's why Duncan's had to go away today. He's had to go have a lay down after Wickham's 3-0 victory on the opening day of the season. Like, can't <laughs> contain the excitement that there might be Adams Park success again this season. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Wasn't uh, such a pretty day in the championship. A couple of them. Um, low scoring games when it comes to xg some of the lowest totals we've ever seen in the history of the championship map yeah um cardiff v norwich no game actually it's cardiff v norwich and blackpool uh, blackburn v qpr both those games are the two uh games of the lowest xg we saw in the championship since the start of last season um i don't know whether it was teams having a short pre-season being a bit un- underprepared with this early start um but yeah it was a wasn't vintage championship weekend of action. Uh, there were a couple of great games. I thought the Sunderland commentary game was really good last night. I thought Burnley looked really good against Huddersfield on Friday night. Um, but everyone's been waiting for the Glory Hornet boys tonight, haven't they? So I think uh, that's that's the one people are want, wanting to see. Well, of course, Watford obviously relegated from the Premier League last season. Burnley did enjoy success on their opening day. Norwich City, not so much as we saw there. But the Hornets are in action against Sheffield United. And um, the thing is, I think a lot of people are focusing on Watford. But we have to be fair to what the Blades have done. Last season, obviously, one of the big risers during the course of the season was Nottingham Forest. They got their rewards with promotion to the Premier League. Sheffield United weren't too far behind. No, I actually thought... They probably, after their comeback in the second leg of the semi-final of the playoffs against Forest, they probably deserved to get through. They probably should have got through. They missed a couple of chances towards the uh, the end of the game and obviously eventually lost on the penalty shootout. Um, when Heckingbottom came in last season, I'm not too sure many people were thinking that he'd be a great upgrade in Slavita Jokanovic, but only three teams won more points than uh, United did after his arrival. And also defensively, they're fantastic. They, they had the third lowest uh, XG or non-penalty XG faced 
of any side in the championship after Heckingbottom took over. Um, and uh, much of that was done to Wes Fodringham. 18 clean sheets, 22 goals conceded in 32 league games before the playoffs. And he prevented 8.4 goals with his, uh, with his saves based on our expected goals and target model. That was the best of any goalkeeper in the, in the league last season. So even when that defence is breached, they don't give Waver any chances. They've got a brilliant goalkeeper in West Fodringham. But, but tonight, they will come up against arguably one of the best attacks in championship, championship history. If, if Emmanuel Dennis, Hal Pedro and Ishmael Asar play, um, two players that have been linked with big money moves away to Premier League clubs, Dennis was brilliant in the, champ- in the Premier League last season. 16 goal involvements was our top goal scorer with 10 goals. Shmala Saar had an on-off season, had a lot of injuries, um, but won AFCON with Senegal as well and, and was brilliant in the final and semi-final for them. He is undoubtedly a threat, was brilliant in the championship in the second half of the season under Cisco Munoz before. Um, and Hal Pedro now... He was, I think he was 18 in our last championship season. He's really matured. He's bulked up quite a lot. He's going to be a real threat this season. And actually, he's probably my my bet for the young player of the season in the championship. I think he's a brilliant player. Uh, got a big future ahead of him. There's been a lot of negativity with Watford fans about not making many signings this summer um, and selling a couple of players that maybe fans didn't want to see go. K- uh, Kiko Femini was one of those. But we have pretty much the same defense. I say we, I am a Watford fan. We have pretty much the same defense backline. We have Backman in goal, Trustacon, Cathcart, Cabaselli. Um, as the season we uh, went up in the championship last time, where we conceded a league low 30 goals and kept a league high 23 clean sheets. So they have done it before in the championship. And arguably, our left side of Hassa Kamara, who might play on the right tonight. Um, is better than the options we had before. Plus, we signed Mario Gaspar from Villarreal, very experienced, top-quality La Liga player. So I think that Watford are probably going to be better than some people expect they will be. There are going to be question marks if Dennis and Saar eventually go, which they probably will. Um, but we have some decent backups there in Ray Manage and um, like how Pedro, as I said before, can get goals as well. So... I think that Watford might cause a few surprises, but both of these teams should be in the top six, I think, by the end of the season. So this, tonight's game should be a cracker. Yeah, a big step up for Rob Edwards as well. Obviously, great success last season with Forest Green Rovers. Obviously, it's a bit of a change up going into the championship now. Plenty of new managers are bouncing around in the championship. So it'll be interesting how he's able to get his style of play implemented on the team. The one thing we always said about Forest Green last season, the one thing we said about Forest Green Rovers last year, a very clear identity. If he's able to bring that into a Watford team and a Watford squad that didn't enjoy the best of times last season, it has to be said, lots of changes, lots of switch around. The minute he can make that click as soon as possible, you could easily see Watford very much in the top two running away at the top of the table. Yeah, I think you forgot to mention as well, hate meat products. That is another thing a lot of people say about Forest Green Rovers. But... Um, <laughs> It's, yeah, I think we're going to. It looks like Watford are going to play over three-five-two. Wing backs were massive in Rob Edwards' game at Forest Green. Um, I think that Hassan Kamara is probably too good for the Championship. Um, he could be brilliant for Watford this season. And it sounds like they're signing Ethan Laird on loan from Man United, who had a decent spell at Swansea last season as well to play on the right. Um, so those two, yeah, could be really good for Edwards' system. And 
as a Watford fan, I'm looking forward to a change, hopefully, in club ethos and having a manager that might last a season. Um, he he talks the right game, I think, Edwards. He's been, he's been brilliant since he's come in. So hopefully it will show on the pitch as well. Yeah, for Watford, a fresh face. Uh, not so exciting for my club, Reading, obviously, this season. A lot of predictions, including Gab Sutton's. I have made note of this, by the way. I will come with receipts at some point, potentially. A lot of people predicting a very struggling year for Reading. I personally and myself also predicting quite a struggling year. Are they going to stay up? There was a lot of questions rolling into the season um, because the midfield was decimated. Obviously, there's some major financial problems at the club. But losing John Swift, losing Renamotta, losing Josh Lawrence, three big players out of the heart of that midfield. Danny Drinkwater, who by the second part of last season was looking back towards being the Danny Drinkwater that was leading Leicester and winning England caps and, and moving for huge fees to Chelsea. All of them gone. It's a completely new club. And everybody said, oh, Reading aren't going to create any chances. Well, I'm just going to bring up the uh, the race chart from this weekend's game against Blackpool. Yes, if you look at the top left-hand corner, the most important bit, it was a defeat. But they did create chances and, and actually plenty of chances throughout the course of the game. The slight issue at the moment is that uh, Lucas Zhao is once again suffering with an injury. He sustained it in the preseason friendly against Brighton. And it's talked about it's a few weeks, but Lucas Zhao unfortunately does have knees like cotton wool, unfortunately. So a bit <laughs> of a trouble there. And then also uh, Shane Long, the returning legendary hero coming back to the club. Again, he's a little bit behind on fitness. He's a 35-year-old as well. We have to throw that into it. One thing that Shane Long always had in his game was speed. He's at the tail end of his career to, to, to be very respectful towards him. So a little bit of trouble there. So, But if you're going to create the chances, you have to convert them. Yakumete, unfortunately, was not able to do so on Saturday, and it was an opening day defeat for the Royals. I'm not writing it all off entirely. They've just got to find three teams who are worse than them. That's all they've got to do. And it was the same story last season, and it's the same story this season. Is there three teams worse I think than Reading? 23 other teams will be saying the same, Belly, and they'll have ticked Reading on their list already. <laughs> I, think, I have to be honest. I think, I think everybody has. I do think everybody has this year. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Paul Ince. He's talking a very good game, and behind the scenes, they're making some big changes as well, with Mark Bowen obviously coming back again, although if you believe the club, he never really left. And then also uh, you've got the returning, uh, you've also got uh, Brian Kerry coming in to really run the recruitment. Look, the job they've done recruitment-wise for a team that cannot really splash the cash, rightly, and for a team that really has to surf the loan and free market, they've recruited a pretty decent squad. They've recruited players with points to prove. Is it going to be enough? I think we're going to have a very long season finding out exactly that. I think there's a lot of clubs in that boat as well. I will be honest, and I'll say this. I think Sunderland sneak into the playoffs this season. I've just got to, having watched them the other day, Alex Neal knows this division. He knows what to do to get results in this division. I think you might see them come, the, if they're in the right place, come the opening of the transfer window post the World Cup. I wouldn't be surprised Sunderland make a few splash signings that might just elevate them on the run into the playoffs. And, uh, Goodness me, the idea of them back at Wembley again next season and potentially back in the Premier League. It's exciting. It fulfills it fills it fills you with a little bit of joy as a general football fan. But yeah, I, I just can see them potentially knocking at the door. They looked pretty decent last night against Coventry. It's a very strong league this year. I think that you're looking at the three relegated sides being up there. Sheffield United, Middlesbrough look really good this season as well. Um I hate to say it, Luton. Really good recruitment in the summer. I think they they can definitely build upon last season under Jones. Um, and you know what? Like my dark horse, and I think no one else agrees with me here, Birmingham. I think if they can mm. sort out their ownership 
<laughs> then they've got a great manager, John Eustace, a really good coach. And I was yeah. slightly gutted actually when Watford didn't go for him. Big fans' favourite as a player at Watford as well. Um, so I think, yeah, if they can get Deeney firing and fired up and get the rest of the squad fired up, then uh, who knows? Maybe they could sneak in the playoffs. But I think that with uh, Eustace there, actually, they could cause some surprises this season. If yeah, they've got. And they've got a very solid keeper in a new Etheridge as well. I think he's a, a yeah. very good championship goalkeeper. And uh, yeah, I think a lot, again, another one that I think a lot of people have gone, oh, crisis club, Birmingham City, put them in the bottom three. I think they've got enough talent in their squad that they're going to be like, it's going to be a great year. Yeah, the Premier League's coming along. We know that. Duncan's going to do a whole piece about whether it's a two-horse race at the top of the table. I think right now in the championship, you could put your name on about eight, ten different clubs yeah. and any of those could get promoted. That's what makes it the best league in the world, Billy. And that's why we'll be covering it in depth on The Analyst this season. We're going to have plenty of great content for you to look forward to, just to give you a little insight into other bits and pieces that we've got on the site at the moment that's worth looking at. We've got our players to watch. This is The Analyst 50, well worth diving into. You can click around as well to make it a little bit easier to find out all about your favourite players and Martin Terrier as well. So very exciting there. (laughs) Uh, We've also, Duncan, as expected, done a great piece ranking every opening day goal in Premier League history. Plenty for you to enjoy in there. Real walk down memory lane with some of these ones to get involved with. If you want to go back over the Women's Euros, our Stats Hub is live. You can click around. It's fully interactive. You can check all sorts of things out. Look at that. Ellen Wright, White, top for non-penalty XG in the tournament. Also, newly released, the MLS and the NWSL as well. Loads of stats for you to get involved with there. Just to really enjoy as well this great zone to control graphic. If you haven't had a play around with this, Pete McKeever, top of the uh, hat to you because this is fantastic to click around and have a little bit of a look at. And finally, one little plea from us as well. We are on TikTok now. It's very exciting for us all. We're now in not just your traditional horizontal and streaming that we'll be doing throughout the course of the season, but we are also live on TikTok at OptoAnalyst, hoping to have lots of fun with you guys on there. Plenty of analyst 50s for you to watch, including, hey, Julian Alvarez. wonder why we mentioned him. And uh, obviously, we've got a few other explainers for you as well. What else have we got coming up this week on the site, Matt? I think we've got some more great articles to come as well. Well, I think the stat section you showed there for MLS, we actually have that coming live uh, tomorrow for the EFL leagues. And we'll have that for a lot of top flight leagues from, from next week. Um, we're expanding our our uh, league list for this season. So we'll be including Portuguese, Austrian, Turkish, um, trying to think of other leagues as well. There's so European many. Leagues, <laughs> European leagues as well. Yeah, we have got a lot more European leagues on there. So there's going to be daily updated uh, stat hubs on the site that people can visit. So they'll be there. Enjoy them, definitely. And later this week, we will have our predictions for the season. We did last year predict at the start of the year City to win the league. We also predicted England to win the women's Euros as well. So let's see what our predictions are going to say later this week. We'll bring those to you on one of the live streams as well as other great content as well. Right, Matt, thanks very much today. Welcome back. That was a good pre-season stretch out that one. It was good. I feel limbered up now limbered up and ready to go for another pulsating season of action of course you can enjoy us all the time on twitter instagram and tiktok and of course make sure you do visit the analyst.com as well but for now on behalf of matt and myself it's goodbye and we'll see you later in the week <laughs>